for the uh, scripture reading this morning, we're going to read from Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 12 through 17. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. So you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Open your Bibles, please, this morning to uh, that passage that Howard just read from Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to be looking specifically at verses 15, 16, and 17. Last week I began preparing a special Sunday school class for, uh, for my class of uh, three young men. I call them my guys. And uh, the next series of studies that we're going to be doing is on the topic of character. And uh, in beginning my preparation for that series of studies, I was reading through the life of Joseph. And uh, in reading through that in the book of Genesis, it reminded me of uh, some of the, the, the qualities of character that God will build into us. And it reminded me that there are, are two tests of character that I have often mentioned that uh, tell something about ourselves. As believers, it, it teaches us something about where we are at in our own life. And those two tests, one of them is by the choices that we make. That's, that's one good test of character. But an even greater test of character, and we see this in the life of Joseph, greater test of character is how we respond to circumstances over which we have no control. That, that is a real test of our character, and that, in fact, is where we find ourselves in the United States today with the coronavirus epidemic or pandemic. We find that we are, are locked into our, our communities, not uh, physically, but uh, in many ways we're restricted to our communities. Uh, those things are outside of our own control. We don't have control over that. And it is a great test of our character as individual believers, as a local church. It tells us something about ourselves. Well, in the passage today, uh, that we'll look at in Colossians chapter 3, we see that God has given, given us three practical tools for functioning in this kind of a circumstance. How God equips us. Three factors that will give us, uh, I think, joy, even in the midst of uh, adversity. And we'll look at those in a moment, but let's Briefly commit this uh, time to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. 
and thank you for uh, what we just saw in being reminded that uh, of our seemingly small problems here in the United States when we look at uh, believers in China and other areas throughout the world where they are not at liberty to worship you as we are here in America. And Lord, as we look at this simple study from the book of Colossians chapter 3, I pray that you would encourage us and remind us of how you've equipped us to face the circumstances of life. So we thank you for this, and we commit this time to you in Christ's name. Amen. We are going to concentrate our studies this morning in verses 15, 16, and 17 to look at uh, uh, these three practical tools that God has given us to, uh, to deal with the adversities of life. And the first one we see in verse 15, where we see that God has provided a referee for us in life. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 says this, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. This is the peace of God that has been provided for us as a referee. You say, well, why referee? Where do you come up with that? Well, he says that we are to let the word of God, or the peace of God, rather, rule in your hearts, and he uses a word for someone who would be the referee or literally the um umpire. And this was true in uh, in Rome in the first century uh, when they would have their sporting events. They would have an umpire for those events, and that was this word. We would call them today a referee. Well, the peace of God is to be a referee in our life, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But first I want to talk about something even more important than the peace of God, and that is, before we can ever enjoy that, we must have peace with God. That's, that's the most important thing, and we're told in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. We must have that peace, peace with God, before we can ever enjoy the peace of God. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, that we are, as a, as a people in the world, we are all sinful, every one of us. And, and, and Paul indicts us for our sin. And that sin separates us from God. And so he establishes and he presents this legal case for the fact that all men are condemned before God because of our sin. And then, in the middle, towards the end of chapter 3 of Romans, Paul begins to show us that there's a solution for this. We are at war with God because of our sin. And then he begins to say, to us in Romans chapter 3 we read in verse 23 and 24 we read this for all have sinned 
and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 28, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. And then over in chapter 5, verse 1 that I mentioned a moment ago, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Before we can ever enjoy the peace of God in our daily life, we need to be sure that we have peace with God, and that peace has been achieved for us through the death of Christ on Calvary's cross. He was punished for your sin and for my sin so that we could have peace with God. And that is secured on the basis of faith alone, not through our works, not through our church affiliation, but through faith alone in the finished work of Christ on Calvary's cross. We can have confidence of peace with God. Once we have trusted Christ as our personal Savior and that peace has been established, as believers, we can enjoy the first of these three tools that I mentioned a moment ago. We can have a referee in our life, and that referee is the peace of God. Again, verse 15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, or let the peace of God be a referee in our daily life. Well, how is it that uh, that, that takes place? He gives us an important uh, statement in following this up in verse 15 when he says, we were called to this, we were called to allow the peace of God to rule in our life, and then he says this, be thankful. Thanksgiving provides a context for us to enjoy the peace of God. If we find ourselves anxious and unthankful, it is very likely that we will never enjoy the peace of God. When we are torn apart internally by the circumstances that we see all around us, it's very likely that we will not uh, allow the peace of God to act as a referee or an arbiter in our life. The peace of God is unique to believers. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 14, verse 27, that he was going to give us his peace. He said, my peace I give you, <clears throat> my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives. The world seeks a different type of peace than the Lord Jesus promises us it is unique to believers, this peace of God that he gives us to help us navigate the difficulties in life. If you're in the book of Colossians and turn back one page to the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, we read this, Be anxious or worried for nothing, 
but in everything by prayer and supplication, and here's this context again, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And so we have, first of all, a referee in our life to help us deal with adversity. And that's the peace of God. All who know Christ as Savior have this great promise and this great possession of the peace of God to guard our hearts. But it's set in the sphere of thanksgiving. There's one word here that is so important to us in order to make all of this happen, and it's a little three-letter word called let. He said, let the peace of God. We can choose not to. We can choose to be so focused on uh, the news of the day that it robs us of that peace. It robs us of our ability to really rest in the Lord that's a choice that we make. When we know Christ as our personal Savior, we have a home secured in heaven, and that's a great promise. That's a great possession. But in our daily life, there are choices. And we make the choice to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. There's a second tool we see in the very next verse. In verse 16, we see the word let again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Here's our second tool, and our second tool is a resident. Our first tool is a referee to allow the peace of God to rule in our hearts. The second tool is a godly resident to let the word of God dwell in us richly. Well, we already have another resident living within us, and that resident is the Holy Spirit, the moment that we trusted Christ as our personal Savior. The Holy Spirit came to be a resident within us. We see that in the Gospel of John Chapter 14, verse 17, will not turn there, but in, in the, the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verse 6, we are reminded of the fact that the Holy Spirit is resident within us. Galatians, chapter 4, verse 6, and because you are sons of God, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts. We have a resident within us. The moment we trusted Christ as our personal Savior, and that was, that, that was the result that took place at the same time that we trusted Christ as Savior. At the same time, we established peace with God. The Holy Spirit came to be resident within us. But there is another resident that like the peace of God is the result of our choices. 
our choice to let the Word of God dwell in us richly. Why do I say that it's a resident? Because when he said, let the Word of Christ dwell in you, he uses a word that literally means to make it home. So we would read it this way, let the Word of God be at home in you. How do we do that? Well, there are some practical ways. Uh, for instance, reading the Word of God and, and reading the Word of God every day. We don't have to read for hours and hours, but how important it is to take time to simply sit and open the Word of God and read it. And then a second part would be to meditate on the Word of God. You don't have to read chapters and chapters. Sometimes it's far more advantageous for us to read a few verses and then really meditate on the truth of his word and allow that to, to, to minister to our hearts. And then there is the importance of memorizing the word of God so that even if we don't have our Bibles with us at any given moment, maybe we can because we have memorized the Word of God, share a word from Scripture with someone that just needs the comfort of the Word of God. So we can read it. We can meditate. We can memorize. But I like to use another illustration of how we can uh, allow the Word of God to be at home in us. And uh, we can't do this now, of course. We can't have a, a, a big backyard barbecue. Not yet. Perhaps in a month or so we can do that. And backyard barbecues are a great way for, for believers to get together and for neighbors and friends to gather together. And that usually focuses on a barbecue. And uh, when, when men get together for a barbecue, and, and I, I'm the one that does the, the grilling at, at our house, and, and I love that. And one of the things that men like to talk about is their own recipe for a marinade. And when, when we have a marinade and we have our, our special things, and, uh, uh, and then we take that big, that big uh, sirloin steak, and we immerse it into the marinade, and it begins to, to just absorb into that steak. That's how I like to think of allowing the Word of God to, to be at home in our life. That is, we immerse ourselves with a steak, the Word of God is the marinade and it begins to permeate that's the idea of allowing the Word of God to impact our life now if you take that steak and uh, pull it out of the marinade and just chew on it uh, that's that's not the way that you do it to really enjoy it to really enjoy the, the effect of the marinade, you take that steak 
and you put it on the grill. You put the heat to it. And when you put the heat to it, it really brings out the flavor of the marinade. And in the life of the believer, when we go through adversity, we go through difficulty and circumstance, and the, the heat is applied to us, the heat of difficulty, suffering, persecution. The flavor of the word of God is, is really brought to the forefront. How important it is for you and for me to immerse ourselves in the Word of God. That is to allow daily the Word of God to be absorbed into our life through reading, through meditating on the Word, through memorizing the Word, and thus, as a result of that, to have the real flavor of Christ in the Word of God seen and visible to those who are around us. That is our second tool. The third and final tool is a godly reaction. We have, first of all, again to re review, we have a godly referee. That's the peace of God. We have a godly resident. That's the word of God. And now we have a godly reaction to the difficulties and the circumstances that we face in life, and particularly thinking of our current circumstances here in the United States and in our respective communities. And this is what we read in verse 17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. A godly reaction to our circumstances. And we see that it is a transcendent reaction because he uses this all-encompassing word, whatever. Whatever the circumstances, we can, we can never say, well, yes, but this circumstance is different from that circumstance. Paul said very clearly, whatever you do, whether it's in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whether word or deed, do all to honor and glorify the Lord with a thankful heart. Once again, it is on the condition of thanksgiving that these things take place. Do we have a thankful heart? Are we truly thankful? Even in the midst of adversity, is God teaching us new things even through the limitations that we uh, are experiencing through a some version of sheltering in place. And we see God at work in our own life. This morning, uh, driving uh, over here for uh, our live stream, my wife was reading just a, a, a few comments from Facebook about the church, things that she picked up. And one of them I thought was 
particularly great. And uh, that particular quote was this, the church is not empty, the church is simply deployed. I love that. Can we see in the midst of the difficulty, God at work, and God glorified, God at work in our own life as well as the life of others? Or are we so uh, crippled by the things we cannot do that we forget to be thankful and to recognize what God is doing in our midst? A godly reaction. Colossians 3, verse 23 says, and whatever you do, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. There's our joy. There's our joy. The end result we see in verse 17 is that God is glorified. Everything we have, everything we are, everything we do should be tempered by a heart of true thanksgiving. We have then these three very practical tools that God has has given us here. We have a godly referee. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard our hearts. We have a godly resident, the word of God that we have to let to permeate our hearts. And we have a godly reaction that whatever, in word, in deed, that we will do all to the glory of God, giving thanks to God the Father through Christ. May God give us grace on a daily basis. May God give us joy on a daily basis in using us in the midst of great adversity or great blessing that we would honor and glorify him. May God give us grace in the week that awaits us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the great joy of reading it. And may we absorb it. May we immerse ourselves in your word to allow it to permeate our life, our choices, our joy, we would pray. We thank you for North Valley Bible Church. We thank you for Pastor Dan and Cindy who are back in Michigan today. We commit them to you and we thank you for their leadership and for impact their impact on this body of believers and on this community. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.